Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I'm Bridget McGowan, and today I have joining with me in the in the virtual studio, Bernadette Bruckner. Bernadette, welcome to the show. Hello, hello from Austria, from the country where I should suppose yodel, wearing a dindle and eating apple strudel. The only <laughs> thing what I'm not doing is I cannot yodel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, the good thing about being a professional speaker is I'm sure you're not called upon to yodel very often. Now, we were talking before the start of the podcast, and we're both introverts, we discovered. And you told me, Bridget, I'm telling you, five years ago, there's no way you could have gotten me to get on a microphone. Take us back to your start as a speaker and and how you navigated that world of being an introvert and not necessarily wanting to own the microphone. It's it's actually it's so interesting. I'm I'm I grew up not lonely, but my parents had an own company, a bakery, and they worked a lot. I mean, my father uh, slept by day, and in the night he worked and make the the cookies and everything else and the bread. And therefore, I grew up like creating my own world, like into words do. Um, and as more is more. I grew up, I'm, I was uh, in the worldwide everywhere, and I found out, yes, I have my own world, but there is so much more out there. And as more as I begin to talk with the other ones, as more as I discovered uh, also that I'm not alone being an introvert. And how should I say it? For me, beginning to speak was out of an urge to express my inner world to the other ones and also getting my opinion out to the world. And today I always say every, every, what everybody else can do, I can do too. And seeing the other ones, especially those who are loud, don't have so many different thoughts, so many different ideas, so many different fuse I said to myself I want to express it I have so much to say I have so much to 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 exchange with others not only listen I'm very good in listening I grew up in our bakery and listened to all our guests and just was there and today I know one of many reasons why I became a speaker many reasons why I became a coach is because I was listening to other ones and what I said and, and the combination with listening and, and just talking with them, I made the world brighter. That's why I became a coach. And today I'm writing books more than ever. And I always said, I'm not good in writing. But the, the, the inner expression and bringing out what's actually so rich in my inner world into books, into workshops, into trainings. Even, I mean, English is not my, it's not my first language, it's my second language. And it's like, I want to express myself. And more than ever through COVID-19, I'm not 
daily online and in different podcasts and everything else, but way much more because I created uh, resilience methods, copy strategies for others. And I want to support as many as possible, knowing that they are not alone, knowing that out there is someone for them who will listen to them and knowing that being an introvert is totally okay. And sometimes you just have to tell them it's okay the way you are. And one of my greatest, what I want to bring out to the world is be simply you, no matter what, and nothing else matters. And it's okay. I could not agree with you more in terms of just being absolutely okay with who you are. It is so, it's, it's so much easier to get on the stage when you are yourself. It's so much more impactful. But I got to go back to the easier part because you don't have to figure out, oh, what persona was I at that last meeting? What persona did I give them at that last presentation? But just be yourself is perfectly okay. And listen, everybody, if I've not told you this before, or if you've not heard it from me before, I know I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. Introverts actually are better speakers or can be better speakers than extroverts. I'm not even kidding you. And there are a number of reasons for that. So we're about to launch into a Bridget mini lesson that we all love. So first (laughs) off, uh, introverts are incredibly self-aware and this bodes really well for speaking, because before you utter a thought, and and Bernadette, let me know if you agree with me or disagree with me on on any of these points, before they even fix their mouths, the introverts will carefully scrutinize their words and their ideas, and they want to pay very close attention to the entire packaging of their messaging. Would you agree that that tends to be the case? And, and, And that's why we don't just pop up when somebody wants us to quote unquote say a few words no it this is like at the moment i'm rebrand i'm I'm writing on my brand message and also on my tedx talk i need hours i need so long for it like an extrovert it's like oh i can do that tack 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 and me it's like oh my god i have no idea because there's so much insight and i'm choosing very wisely what i'm saying very wisely when I'm saying it and how I say it. And it took me many, many training hours to, to like at home, I, I built up my own stage at home, train, 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 because everything has a strategy and everybody else can go out there. And when you know how the strategy works, you can do the same or way much more better than anybody else and also me. But it's like the inner world, it's like, I don't want to say I'm, I'm creating my horror movie on my own <laughs> and it should be on stage or something like that, but it's pretty close. But I choose very wisely what I'm saying, my key points, I'm writing it down, I train them, everything else before I go out. Yes, I'm getting better with every single stage what I'm using, with every single talk what I'm doing. With every single interview, yes. But yet, every single one is unique, what I'm giving with my talk. One, none of them is, you know, like the same. 
Exactly, exactly. I've had organizations where they're wanting me to provide them with the PowerPoint or with a handout weeks or even days before the presentation, mm -hmm. which most people will think, well, what's the problem? What's the issue with that? And it may be a presentation that I just delivered a month or two before, but I have read more since that last presentation. I've had more conversations with amazing people like you. I've seen more content, in, in, engaged with more content, if you will. And I want to go back and look at that presentation and think about, are there some things I want to move? Are there some things I want to add? Was there an interesting story in the news that is applicable and, and put it into that presentation? So when you're asking me for my PowerPoint deck or for a handout, weeks, especially weeks before the presentation, no. days before it's not so bad, but even with that, I'll make changes minutes before the presentation because there may be something that just catches my attention on social media or in my inbox. But back to the introverted piece, we like to think before we speak because we want what we say uh, to, to be carefully scripted. So when it is verbalized, there's little to no room for ambiguity, confusion, or for us to look less than polished or sound less than polished. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not suggesting that extroverts are not sensitive to the quality of their messages, but they just kind of require a lot less time to get their thoughts together. Yes. And quite honestly, they like showing up in those mm -hmm. unscripted moments. We don't. They're the ones who don't need a PowerPoint deck and they can crush it. We can do a great job without a PowerPoint deck, but we need to have at least a, a post-it note with a few ideas jotted down or something. And then Bernadette, you were spot on when you said how you do a lot of listening. And mm -hmm. introverts tend to have a preference for learning by listening intently and paying attention to others and then making those discoveries through observation. And this gives you an amazing advantage on the stage. So if you are an introvert, I'm telling you, start elbowing everybody out of your way and make your way to that microphone. Because if there's any guarantee with any presentation, it is that your audience will give you a reaction without saying a word and your astute attention to that nonverbal, those nonverbal cues mm -hmm. and your tendency to be a great observer is a plus in the presentation environment. Because if you sense a positive vibe from the audience, then you know you're going in the right direction. But if the body language out there, or if, and I know it's tough, a lot of virtual presentations are happening as of late. So it's tough to, to read the room, if you will. But when we get back in person and you see the body language that tells you to do something else, shift gears and do something else. <laughs> It's also so interesting. I'm, I'm also high sensitive. So I truly sense the people who are my audience. And for me, it's like I have, the audience is always different. How can I deliver the same talk? No, it's not possible. And it, I, I truly sense the people. I had it lately with, um, it was online conference, but uh, in London. And, and for me, it was like, um, I, re, I didn't rewrote my PowerPoint, but I just sensed on like one hour before uh, the audience, and I was like, I need to change it. And this is, this is, this is a gift. Yes, 
today I know it's a gift. As child, I was like, no way. I sent so much. I don't want to be that loud. I'm, you will never see me jumping on a stage to doing something what an extrovert is totally normal to do that. But I will deliver in the sense that I, what I sense with the audience. And um, as more as I, 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 I love online stuff, I miss the offline uh, uh, stages and everything else. And I'm so looking forward to it because uh, it's just way much different. And as you said, you send right away the audience if they, if they into you or not. And I always have so much good feedback. And it's like, it seems like it's a good idea that I go out and not staying, you know, in my intro world, little world, but truly go out for it. And do we need the audience as introvert? No. Is it nice to have it? To have it um, and seeing that you ca that I can contribute to the other people with my knowledge, what I have, and I'm, my PhD uh, work is about health framing. Yes, I see it. it's a good idea to go out there, and these are one of many reasons why I'm still doing what I'm doing. Because like five years ago, I was like, I don't want to go out. I don't want to do it. No, 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 no. No one gets me out there. <laughs> <laughs> so Bernadette, you are a creative all-arounder who's worked yes. successfully in different fields in Austria and abroad. You have an interest in corporate communications, marketing, human resources, and many other areas in business. And you have appropriated an enormous amount of knowledge and education over the course of three plus decades. You have education at or from international top trainers like Richard Bandler, Robert Diltz, Roy Martina, and Clinton Swain. And you are internationally active as a holistic trainer in health, nutrition, and mental health with exceptional holistic resilience methods. You're the founder of M intuitive mentoring method and one minute coaching to go. You are also the founder or, of Ornition or Original Nutrition, I came to learn, which is absolutely <laughs> amazing, where you have an innovative nutrition body of work where you are getting people to remember their own body intelligence. So, and you have a master's degree in health management with a focus on public health, an international PhD. Uh, you've done research in the fields of health communication. I could go on and on. International publisher and author of numerous books in different languages. You were a global author award winner in 2018. Mm -hmm. You were nominated for an NLP award in research in 2019 in London. And in 2021, yes, your research, research center for intuitive science in Austria is yes. going to open its doors. So, yes, with all of that, tell us when you get on a stage, what is the number one question you answer? How to correct the subconsciousness. And that you that you finally unleash your potential, and I said difficult prove it, and that's what I like the the most. I always say I'm actually actually an introvert, um, scientific nerd. I love to research. I love to find solutions. I love to support others when they don't find anything else anymore. 
and I researched so long till I found solutions. And this is something what I want to inspire others knowing and when they crack the subconsciousness easily, that they can unleash their potential. And we all actually have fear about our potentials. And this is, this is when I, all the time when I, when I hear other people what they have their challenges, I said, no, 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 this is not a challenge. This is a chance that you learn yourself way much better, way much better. And I always... Um, the last week, what I did, I explained everything in Hollywood movies. And there is one movie of Luc Bisson. And I love this movie. It's about, it's it called Lucy. I don't know if, if you ever heard about this movie. And their question in this movie was, what would happen when we have access 100% to our consciousness? And if you take the iceberg model of Sigmund Freud, where we conscious use five to 10%. I always said, I want to know about the rest of my subconsciousness. And for me, the biggest, most beautiful journey is actually remembering myself and everything that I can get out from my subconsciousness and my consciousness, knowing that we know way much more. And as child, we know. But we get conditioned in so many ways from the grown-ups at home, in school, later university, work, what is not possible to do. And there's way much more out there. And for me, I learn more from children, working with children, listen to others and their so-called weird views on the world, and I had brilliant, brilliant entrepreneurs where I had the chance to listen to them and seeing the world different. That's the power of listening. And as more as I discover myself, what I'm able to do, as more as I know that I don't know anything, except that when I inspire others that they discover themselves again, what I always say, it's like you're both right, that you know yourself way much better as much as I see what we actually can do. What is it that causes people to have so much fear about their potential? Because I'm also thinking about being scared of getting on the microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what stops people from exploring what could be? We get conditioned. And I wanna I wanna ask you, can you remember the first time when you express yourself to whomever to tell what is your biggest dream, what you become too? For me, I I always wanted to become an animal keeper. My mom said, learn something useful. I cannot remember, uh, but I don't remember when or where or exactly what I said, but I remember how I felt exactly with whatever response, right? And it's mm-hmm. that conditioning. So you're spot mm-hmm. on, Bernadette. And whatever the answer was that I gave, uh, I, I know it was met with a response that kind of crushed me. 
and had me doubting what I should or shouldn't do going forward. Um, so yeah, I grew up in an area where I didn't necessarily see a lot of professionals. I saw them, but it didn't seem like they were in reach. They were, right? It didn't seem like what they did was within my grasp or within mm-hmm. my abilities. I wasn't sure. Uh, I grew up in a home where there were blue collar workers. I knew I didn't want that, but I really cannot remember. That is sad. I really can't remember. I knew I wanted to do something that had to do with reading or writing or something like that. But in terms of putting my finger on a specific profession, I don't remember exactly what the answer was, but I go back to, I know how I was made to feel when I did give the answer of what's, what do I want to grow up and be, if you will. That was a long answer. (laughs) But for me, it's interesting. I created a method I call inner child healing. I mean, the, the, there's also inner child therapy. I, I'm pretty sure also in America. And our deepest hurtings, most of the time, were before seven years. And if I worked with people and I had one elder man where I worked for three days inner child healing because he got so much hurt. And the reason... When you remember, and I want to ask you to, what do you remember more? The good stuff or the bad stuff? We tend to remember the bad stuff. I mean, I even think about when it comes to customer service experiences, how many times do you have some kind of interaction with a customer service rep, whether it's on the phone, whether it's via chat, whether it's in person, whether it's at a restaurant, and do you give kudos for all of those instances where they got it right. Not necessarily, but if something goes badly, something goes wrong, if there's a misstep, oh, where's where's your boss? Where's your supervisor? We remember the negative. We, we just do. <laughs> and the interesting part is when you go from the uh, neuroscience uh, view, the reason how we remember things over and over again is because it's connected with emotions. When you disconnect the memories, you cannot build it up anymore. That's one many, many reasons why we remember the bad stuff because it's always connected with some kind of emotion which was, I'm not right, I'm not good, I'm not something like. And when I begin to do my research, because as I said, I'm actually an introvert a research nerd, looking for solutions regarding abuse, regarding alcohol, drug, or whatever, food abuse, actually, it was one of the the first reasons before I researched the other things. I found out when you disconnect the memories with the emotions, and also afterwards, you when it's uh, regarding um, food addiction or with drugs and alcohol, you also have to detox your body. Your body... And your memory of the bad stuff is deleted. And it's interesting. And I was like, okay, I could be staying in my introvert world (laughs) and just do what what I like to do, not saying, but listening. I'm like, I cannot help anybody out there. I have to find for myself a solution, get over my introversion, daring to let go of my fears of whatever come from those fears and just stand up and just do 
what I do the best. Explain it in my best possible versions. And I'm I'm actually not the PowerPoint person. I'm the flip chart person. I like to draw everything out. Most of the time, the people, when they don't get my explanation, they have no idea anymore what I'm drawing there. It looks like Jean, Jean Pirot, a Picasso picture, but yet it's my explanation. And yet I did. And there are also so many people out there who fear I'm not perfect being on stage. That's why I always say, be simply you. Because when you are you, 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 you're perfect. Yes, yes. We, but we get just conditioned not being. We have to compare with, I have no idea anymore. Right, right. You know, I want to touch on something you said about using flip charts as opposed to not necessarily using a slide deck and how that fits so perfectly with just getting up and doing what you do best. Sometimes we let technology get in the way of us getting up there and owning the microphone and feeling like we must have a slide deck or we Mm -hmm. saw someone else with a slide deck and it looks so gorgeous and yours must be that way. And Or we'll see some people where they don't present with one at all. And we feel like, oh my goodness, that's the way I have to do it. Or we'll see Bernadette with her flip chart. And we're thinking, my goodness, that's the way to do it. No, do what is most comfortable for you. I'm telling you, I think about my days of teaching where, and I wish I had known this when I was a student, where I focused on making sure that I not only taught the way that I would like to learn, but I also took into account how other people might like to learn in the room. So I'm very much so a visual person. I had to have my textbook. I had to sit up front. I had to take notes. I really had my fingers crossed hoping that the professor would write notes on the board as well or on the overhead. Yes, I'm telling my age. We didn't necessarily have PowerPoint back in the day, but I digress. Think about how you learn best and Mm -hmm. then deliver the kind of presentation you would like to see if you were sitting out in the audience. Mm -hmm. Think about how you engage best. Think about the best presentations you've ever seen. And then think about how you can deliver the kind of experience you would want to get. I'm not talking about emulating any kind of big name speaker, but think about events that you've been at where you walked away and you felt so full, so knowledgeable, so (laughs) in just such a better place than you were before you walked in the doors and see how you can take your own personality and style, low tech, high tech, no tech, (laughs) and give your audience the experience that you love getting. Mm. For me, it was, um, I want to talk about one experience. Yeah. It was actually um, my first biggest stage I was on. It was a conference in Munich in Germany, and there were more than 300 people there. I made a PowerPoint and everything else. The PowerPoint didn't work. <gasps> it, is, it was the worst case ever what happened there. And I think even the microphone, there was something wrong with it. You could forget me. My heart were somewhere. I, I, I couldn't remember anything what I wanted to say. And I said, okay, hallelujah. Just help me. Whoever wanna, is out there in the universe, just help yes. me. They filmed it. And it was one of the best talks because I talked about my passion topic, about my PhD topic, about health framing. Yeah. And I used 
best possible, you know, there is stage anchoring and there are some different methods what you can use when you do the speaking thing and everything else. And I saw afterwards this, this video of what I delivered there and I was like, I like it not having a PowerPoint. <laughs> I like it. And sometimes if, if, I, if I have the chance to have a PowerPoint and bring in the message with pictures, what I did uh, three weeks before with London, I, I'm, I just I stopped writing something down. I use as possible pictures and give my story with it. Or just uh, when I have the possibility not using anything like this, I just describe it, you know, uh, in the in your inner world pictures. Because most people are visual and, and haptic, uh, kinesthetic. And when you use their language, making a story out of it, and everybody out there has a story, now, your story, you can remember afterwards. And the most interesting part is uh, I love to get inspired from others. And we have another scientist who is on many stages. I even could interview him already for my PhD. And you will remember his talk. He's not a scientist. He's using the visual uh, storytelling. And this is totally interesting. And people love stories. Yes. They love to get inspired by stories. And everybody out there has a story. There, standing up for your story. Even when you're introvert, and, and as you said, their story is way much richer because they're looking for the wording. They're looking what they actually want to tell because for them it's so important <laughs> to give a message with it. They're, they're, looking, yes. they're, they're looking to create the right impact. And I'm sitting here laughing because there are times when I'm on the phone with a girlfriend just relaying a random story, but I am known to say, wait a minute, I, I, let me make sure I, I phrase this just right so you can get, <laughs> so, you can, so you can have, so it'll have the impact that I want it to have. So give me two seconds to put this together just, <laughs> just right. Now, in a second, Bernadette, you are going to have the opportunity to ask me a <laughs> question. So I'm looking forward to that. Here's my next question for you. I know that you're a part of the TEDx world. How do you settle on a topic or how do you find a topic that is going to resonate with the TED Talk mm -hmm. audience? For me, it's interesting. I want to become a, a TED Talker for three years already. And I'm still, as an introvert, I need really longer <laughs> for it, how to do it. And I'm asking everybody, how did you become a TEDx uh, uh, talk? And now I found someone who is, who is supporting me. And now I'm in the middle. What is the right theme now? And, and it's so funny that you asked me because last week I'm, I was working again on this one. And I, of course, I want to do something very profound. Of course, I want to want to say something very unique. And it ha it should have to be something with my PhD. And I found one. And this this is so this is so interesting for me. And I'm like like 18, 18 minutes is the maximum because they like TEDx they have like you know different uh, requirements. That I'm like, holy Jesus, I have to talk 18 minutes and I have to train 18 minutes. None of my talks are all unique. I cannot train, I can train best possible, <laughs> but not like wording by wording because I'm pretty sure when I'm on stage, I will say something else, but I want to bring in the core messages 
and I learned from a very unique, and she was, she's already dead, unfortunately, but I was allowed to meet her. She was from Germany and she was autistic. Her name was Vera Birkenbiel and she created um, brain-friendly methods so that you can learn very easily. And for me, it was perfect because she's, she's also visualizing, she, she's using both um, brain sites and combine it with different methods. And she created one method regarding uh, how to create a talk. And it's about when you remember, it was like uh, uh, with stones, when you jump from one stone to another stone, it's like jumping from one key point to another uh, key point. And so I begin to build up. So building up now my TEDx talk, because of course I want to have it as possible myself. So like perfect thing, it's a TEDx. And this TEDx thing becomes for a lot of people totally huge. And I know when I do my first TEDx talk, it won't be my last one. And this is, this is for me so interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm creating insight so many times I've, I'm already on the stage. I'm already knowing what I want to do. Do I want to have a PowerPoint or not? And I'm, nah. <laughs> and this, um, but I want to bring such a huge, profound information in this TEDx, knowing that for a professional speaker, for someone who truly want to become a speaker, TEDx is a must. And therefore, I want to bring out my totally passion because I'm working on my on my PhD research for more than 10 years already and bringing more and more different views on it. And since COVID-19, I never knew that my PhD topic will be so current, but with COVID-19, it became such an interesting um, point on health framing and how to to use uh, health um, in media and what is what is actually mean by that and which chance will be in it and 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 so I said to myself okay now it's the time to truly go on it go further on it be on conferences be as much as possible out there and the introversion and it's so interesting for me because my big why is way much bigger than remembering I'm actually an introvert lady you are now standing in front of how many people? Totally a lot of people. And I just forget it because my big why became way much bigger than the the thought I'm actually an introvert person. Everybody remember that. Remember that your big why is so much bigger than any kind of challenge you may be grappling with internally. And as Bernadette has shared with us, it is not a challenge, but it is a chance to learn yourself better. So anything that is stopping you, anything that has you say, oh no, I could never do that. Oh, they're going to laugh at me. Oh, they're not going to love my ideas. I mean, any of that is so much smaller than the why that you're answering. And when I talk with authors or potential authors or even speakers, I'll ask them to think about this question. What is the problem you are solving for a reader or for your audience? What is the question for which you will offer an answer in your presentation? So think about what is that problem you're solving? That is your why. Why do you speak of, why do you believe so strongly in this? That is has so much more importance, so much more weight than anything else that you might 
be able to offer up as an excuse for mm-hmm. not getting on that microphone. So in short, I'm telling you, crush the doubts, throw out the self, the negative self-talk, forget about that, those words, I cannot do it. I'm telling you, put the kibosh on all of that because like Bernadette just told us, the why is so much bigger. Okay, I'm, and, I'm ready. Go ahead. <laughs> and and the, um, the reason is only to, to have my background. Um, my big why is I'm creating something what I actually needed 20 years ago. Now yes. it's 20 plus years ago. Yes. Because I nearly died four times. And the wow. last time was a very bad accident. I didn't have any scratch. And for me, it was like um, a sign or however you want to see it and mm-hmm. saying, now it's time to go out there and create something um, which is just bigger than my introversion. And at the moment, I'm building up in Austria a diploma course in corporate health for unemployed people, which is a huge step forward in Austria regarding uh, health promotion. And I'm doing with them also uh, um, how, to, how to pitch and how to, uh, how to be on, in front of the camera. And I have so many people who is telling me everything. I'm doing it every single week. And every single week, they tell me I can't do it. Every single week, they are getting better and better. And this is, this is um, like, as I said, five or 10 years ago, this would be like, no way. I'm, I would never do. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no way. But the car accident was, was the last uh, point. And for me, I also had a huge uh, column challenge. This is also one of many reasons why I create my own nutrition style and my own coaching therapy style. And this is, um, I had uh, 40, 44, 43 kilos because I couldn't eat quite properly anymore. But I stand up every single day, did every single day my, my movement, my sports stuff in the morning and did every single day knowing it has a reason why my life and the reason why my life, I begin to see more and more and that's why I have a, a huge big why, which I just forget I'm an introvert person. So everybody look for those signs, whether it is some um, tragic occurrence, it could be a conversation you have with someone, it could be an email message that you receive, it could have been a session you attended, a podcast conversation you listened in <laughs> on. Watch for those signs. It could be a comment from a friend, a text message from a relative, something you see in the news, watch for those signs that give you that nudge because you have an inkling in the back of your head. Yes, <laughs> You know that, that you know you should act upon it. You know you should get up there and speak on it, but you keep stopping yourself and giving yourself excuses to get between you and, and, and putting your why out to the world. Look yes. for those signs. And I'm, I'm preaching this to the listener as much as I'm preaching it to myself <laughs> because there is a message that I need to speak on more publicly, more formally that I have not. And uh, so this is, this is encouragement for everybody, for the masses and for myself. Bernadette, what is your question for mm-hmm. me? As I'm coming from, from the health promotion side, I want to ask you, especially when you're um, speaking and traveling a lot and everything else, how is your nutrition when you, when you are on, you know, traveling ar- uh, around and being on many stages? Awesome question. My nutrition has ebbed and flowed. It's been up and down all throughout my life. 
And so when you ask me that question, it depends on where I am in my nutrition journey. So at this moment, I am in a good place with my nutrition (laughs) journey. Um, But I remember one time when I was on the paleo diet, and I don't like the word diet because it sounds temporary, and then you don't make it a lifestyle change. And because that's what happened to me, we're going to call it a diet. I did make it a lifestyle change, but it did make me more conscious of what I ate. So everybody look at, look up the paleo diet. In short, you're not eating anything processed, any chemicals, any junk. You are eating real food. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the simplest, easiest way for me to boil it down. You are eating like the cavemen ate. So, and I loved it because of the way I felt. And mm-hmm. so when I was on the road traveling, Bernadette, was it a little bit different finding food. Yes, it was. I'm not going to say it was hard. I'm not going to say it was challenging because you could walk up to a uh, kiosk or what have you in the airport and you could make a choice between the, you know, whatever they have on the menu board or the bowl of fruit, right? So, and, and the bottled water or the salad packs and you know, pick the cheese off and move it over <laughs> to the side and just eat the the veggies. So it wasn't hard it was just different and Mm -hmm. so when I was doing the paleo it was easy because I knew this is what I need to eat in order to be at my best in order to be able to give a great performance and in order to feel amazing and be able to give my audience 100% me and I could see a difference versus before or after paleo And, you know, eating a burger or some pasta and then trying to get up on a stage. Now I'm in a new phase where I'm not doing paleo, but I am being more health conscious and not just mindlessly eating. And I've also started cycling, which I love. So I get in a few miles a day, somewhere between 12 and 15 for the avid cyclist. That's nothing. But for someone who just started doing this... I built myself up from going a few miles a day to maybe five to maybe seven to now I do about 12 to 15 a day. And I miss my bike when I'm not able to do that, but really paying attention to what I eat, how much I eat, and then getting in that physical activity, getting in the five to 10,000 steps a day, if I can, uh, is incredibly important to just feeling good and being able to give audiences the best of me. Yes, yes. That was a great and, question. Yes, and many just forget it. It's like, um, as I said, with the conditioning. And sometimes you have to take care for yourself that you actually can take care for other ones. And speaking is, for me, also taking care for other ones. Right. You, you think about on the airplane when they're giving you that pre-flight information and they talk about putting on your mask yes. before you, yes. put, before you yeah, help. The, the other ones. Yeah, so you have to help yourself before you can help others. You have to be at optimal health and optimal, um, I don't know, clarity before you are able to give others that information and give others that light of clarity. You have to be at your best. So you've got to help yourself first before you can help others. I yes. yeah, agree wholeheartedly. Bernadette, anything else that the audience should learn from you before we close out our conversation here? 
just jump out of your comfy zone. Yeah. We need you out there. Yes. And just inspire each other. We have more than ever a huge chance. I don't want to say COVID-19. Yes, it shaked us. COVID-19 shaked us globally. Use it. Use it and, and just stand up for your opinion, for yourself, for your life, for your story, and do good. And as more as I see standing up and how I can, can support others, finally finding their dream job, what I have at the moment, when, when I built up the diploma course in Austria. And, and I see also in my coachings, that for me, the best reward is when the eyes begin to glow again that they see a future, a bright future, that they see that they are gifted. For some people, it's the first time that someone says to them they are gifted. And this is, this is for me, yes, it's sad, but yes, it can, it, I know I have to stand up and just, yes, I'm an introvert. Yes, I love being alone sometimes. And still I see it's good that I stand up and go out there. Do the same. Go out, but be you. Be simply you. And there is no matter what and nothing else matters. And um, we don't need a mask. We don't need anything to hide. Yes, we all have ups and downs. Yes, we have good times. We have bad times. And we can share them each other when we just meet each other on, on heart level and on eye level. And this is what I wish everybody out there. Meet each other on heart level, place. That's awesome. That's awesome. Bernadette Bruckner, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Absolutely. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs>